My name is Justin Gage, and you're tuned in to the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast with your host, Jason Hilder. Hey listeners, welcome back to Transmissions. Thanks so much for joining us. This week on the show, we're hanging out with Mac DeMarco. For the last decade plus, he's been a reliable source for laid-back DIY music, a post-indie sleaze crooner with a warped sense of humor and charm. His latest album foregoes lyrics in favor of instrumentals. It's called Five Easy Hot Dogs, and it came about as the result of a series of recording sessions Mac underwent while on a road trip. Cruising around with a van full of gear and a head full of ideas, Mac let the songs flow and named each composition after the locale where he recorded it, like this one, which is called Portland. I caught up with Mac to discuss life in LA, quitting smoking, and the influence of heavy grade players in his orbit, people like Thundercat and Domi and JD Beck. Uh, In a strange way, Mac has become associated with the idea of jazz to young listeners, and we get into that conversation a little bit, as well as discussing his strangely affecting Metallica cover, working with Tim Heidecker and Little Yachty, and a lot more. I had so much fun talking with Mac. He's a gracious conversationalist and a very, very pleasant hang. Before we get into it, at Aquarium Drunkard, we think music transcends the concept of content. We don't sweat release dates, hype, or any of that. Instead, we let our own taste and interest point us towards what we cover. If you dig that approach and get value from our cultural reportage, radio shows, mixtapes, interviews, essays, and podcasts, and want to help us keep creating them, you can check out Aquarium Drunkard on Patreon. There, you can pledge a small amount each month to help support our writers and selectors. In exchange, you'll get access to bonus audio and cool stuff, like the new edition of our recurring Philomath zine, which is dedicated to Eric Hare's Videodrome column. The zine was created in collaboration with Serial Box Studio. It's beautifully risographed uh, zine, and it features looks at the work of Hollywood Magus Kenneth Anger, Eyes Wide Shut, David Lynch's Feverish Wild at Heart, To Live and Die in LA, and a lot more. We can't wait to share it with our patrons, and we'd love to include you in the ranks of supporters who are going to get one. So check out Aquarium Drunkard on Patreon, and big thanks to those who already support us. Your contributions make a tremendous difference, and we appreciate them very much. All right, let's get into it. Here's Mac DeMarco on five easy hot dogs and a lot more. You're listening to Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions podcast. We're very glad to have you. My pleasure. My pleasure. What are you uh, What are you up to today? What have you had going on? Uh, I went um, I went on a hike with my friend Brad um, uh, near the observatory. Hadn't done that before. Pretty nice. Sometimes, sometimes I just forget that LA is a nice place, and you go up and you look at it all, and you're like, okay, this is nice. And yeah. then, uh, what else did we, what did I do? We ate some food. I had a breakfast burrito. Delicious. And then I went, my friend got me some pants that were made by, uh, prison inmates called prison blues. So I went and picked those up from him. And, um, now I'm here talking to you and that's about, that's about it. I'm going to go to a show later and that's, that's all. That's a good Friday. That sounds like a really, like a, like it's action packed, but not too action packed. What more can you ask yeah, I for? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Not bad. I say it makes me seem like a well-rounded, sane person, I think, on here. It's like I did things today, healthy things, other things, I'm doing things. It's good. Yeah, and and you got some pants made by uh, inmates, it sounds like. That's right. That's right. That's right, yeah. Well, that's cool. That sounds like a good like a good pair. Um, yeah. Something I noticed in a, a lot of the interviews that you've done for this new record is almost everybody asks you about quitting smoking, which congratulations on quitting smoking. Um, Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I wondered how much that made you want a cigarette, uh, having to talk about smoking as much as you have had to, or is it? Does it not work that way? What's it been like for you? Uh, yeah, no, I don't really. I yeah, I I don't know. My my like, I think my quitting style is I just I really don't give a shit anymore. But um. But yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. I never, yeah, talking, I can, I can go to the bar. I can be in a smoky venue. It doesn't matter because I don't drink anymore either. And I know some people like have a lot of trouble being in those situations, but it's like, I don't, I don't know. It's almost kind of fun. Like, it's like, I wish that I had more trouble because it would be like kind of this like, eh. but, uh, but no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty square about it and it doesn't really, I don't know. That's cool. How old were you when you started smoking? Were you young? Kind of late, I think 18. So, like, not, you know, most people are like, yeah, 14, 13, whatever. But, um, yeah, around, I think 18 or 19 when I, like, really started smoking a lot. And then I, and it pretty much since that point, I was pretty much pack a day or two packs a day for, yeah, more than 10 years. So, a while, a while. Yeah. Yeah, a long time. That's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I mean, but, but cool that you, that you kind of just like told folks that you had quit. I mean, because it's like one of those things where it's obviously it invites people to ask questions about it all the time, but I guess so. Yeah. I just don't think that I'm a very good candidate for like, I think a lot, especially musicians, a lot of the time will be like, I'm sober now. And like, let me help you. And like, that's great. That's fine. But like, it's not me. I don't give a shit what other people do. They can, you know, go fucking shoot heroin in an alley. I don't give a fuck. You having a nice time. I mean, maybe don't do that. I don't know. I, obviously, this. I don't know. I'm just saying it's like, you know, I don't know. It's Do you think drinking and smoking and doing drugs, whatever, it's like pretty, you know, my experience with it was usually pretty fun. And then it started getting pretty bad and I was really unhealthy and like, uh, you know, you, you turn a corner. But before you turn the corner, it's so much fun. So enjoy your life for whichever way you got to do that, you know. <laughs> my thing with smoking cigarettes is that i i've always thought the message i mean i don't know what it was like when you were growing up but when i was growing up the messaging around it was very much like 
it's not cool to smoke. I mean, that was like literally the way that they would try to position it, right? Which is this thing of like, this isn't cool. Everybody tries to tell you it's cool, but it's not cool. But then as, as a kid, I remember getting the sense like, no, it's cool. It's clearly cool. Like you could, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I always thought there was like a messaging problem. They try to say I think, it, it's not cool, but it's too clear that smoking makes you look cool. Unfortunately, it's one of those. Yeah. It's a, one of those things. I think, yeah, it's funny. Cause I remember too. Yeah. The whole, there was a lot, a lot of anti-smoking stuff when I was a kid. My mom and dad smoked and I was like, fuck this. I don't want to smoke. Blah. And then you do it and you're like, oh yeah, hell yeah, this rocks. But um <laughs> But I think too, I, I think yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Now I feel like it did kind of become cool again for a little while. So the younger kids don't smoke as much anymore. I think a lot of people don't really smoke cigarettes anymore. And then and then it I feel like it became yeah, so it became uncool and then I feel like it maybe became cool again. So it was kinda of like, You smoke you still smoke? Like, wow. Let's have a smoke together. It's crazy. But um but yeah, now I, I mean, it's, it's so out of my, it's funny now when I like have a friend come around, that's like a real smoker and I'm kind of like, Oh yeah, I remember and it, when you're in it. You're so, so it's just your life. Like, of course, like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I can't smoke here. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm going to go out front and have a smoker. But now I look at it and I'm just kind of like, Jesus Christ, like, like what the, what a pain in the ass. But I, there's parts about it that I do like, you know, there's a social element. Like you do, you know, you got to go outside. There's things that are nice but it's also just like sweet jesus also i'm you know i'm i'm, I'm quite liking not smelling like uh, shit all the time yeah because nice. there's no way around it it's a it's a it's an unpleasant funk that can accum- yeah. Ac- accumulate yeah 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 so when you yeah. so you made this record you made this record under sort of strange and interesting circumstances basically that you just you took off you, you were you were you had you had you already played some shows and you had all your gear with you and then you decided okay we're gonna I'm just gonna go on this kind of road trip type thing or how intentional uh, did the whole we had done some shows but no it was pretty intentional like I, I put together like a system that I would take with me and then I was like okay we have the show in San Francisco and afterwards I'll just go away um and I'd, I I don't know I I think I just it was just at a point where I was like I just want to do something you know i just want to go i I don't know and we had done a couple shows and the shows were fun still felt a little covety we weren't going on a full-blown tour i don't know i I wanted like the adventure feeling from touring and i don't think touring really maybe it has it now but when when we just came back from covid it like kind of didn't really have it um and it was just stressful and everything was annoying and and the crowds were weird i mean our shows were good but that's the kind of the overarching like everybody was saying that afterwards um and i just wanted the good parts so i think i just left and i don't know i had to go see some family and i had to do this that the other thing and i don't know i just i just thought i would go and it was a good way of like forcing myself to make shit and um i don't know it just was what it was, you know? How common would doing something like that be for you in the past? I mean, are you a road trip kind of prone person? How What has that role of travel like that played in your life? I mean, aside, I mean, obviously when you're on tour, you're on the road all the yeah. time. That's just that. Yeah. So there's a part of it that gets into you that way. But the sort of just like, hey, I'm going to take off on an adventure kind of thing. But that's, I mean, the thing was, I've never had time like this before. So my entire adult life has been on tour and it's been this like wacky, like, you know, rock and roll adventure thing. So 
So, yeah, I mean, I think this is just a product of like, well, I could just go and do this and record instead of it. So it kind of still feels like I'm working, but I'm still going around. But um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty, you know, I don't think that like it's interesting because when you put out a record, like I remember when I moved to L.A. and everyone was like, so like, how did L.A. influence the sound of this record? It's like, I don't know. But I but it is true, though, there's a, places give you like some kind of. uh it changed. I don't know. It can be inspiring or it can be not inspiring or it can be, you know, I don't know. But uh, I moved around a lot. Like I've lived in LA for like five or six years. And um, before that, I was, I never really stayed in a place for more than three years. And, and it was, uh, I, so we bounced around a lot. Um, and yeah, I like, I, I don't know. I, I used to have a superstition that I could never do a record twice in the same space. And I did my last record in the studio I'm in now, or like my, in my little garage. And, uh, you know, so I guess maybe this is a product of uh, I already did it once, so I got to get the hell out of here. But um, I don't know. It just seems. I think the other thing too is like I'm very interested in the uh, the recording side of making music. Like I like that uh, the engineering and the the. It's almost like um, it's like the 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 space or like the the you know the the way where something is recorded is almost like another. Uh, musician or instrument or something in it for me and it's you know and it, it gets tiresome when you're just recording in the same room all the time it's like the drums always kind of sound the same and there's tricks you can do but i don't know it's, it's cool to like just go into a space that's especially like not treated for recording in any way and see what you get and maybe it'll be bad but maybe it'll be good and it's just it is what it is you know do i mean how how committed are you when you're recording in an ad hoc situation like you're describing to isolating sounds or setting up baffles or anything like that is that at all a concern for you in terms of of the clarity of the recording not really i mean well there's certain things like I, a lot of these places i was at i would unplug the fridge for example or like sure. make sure the ac was off or things like that where it's like i don't want those kind of sounds sneaking in but you know, as far as like treating the space, like no, nah, I would just kind of. I didn't have very long cables either, so everything would kind of be huddled together. But the drums, I would just put the drums up where I could, and that's the way they would sound. And you know, sometimes it would be a little more roomy than I like. Other times it worked really good. But it's like uh, I just kind of, it just it was what it was. And that, but that's kind of it's nice too, because when I'm in this studio here and I have all my shit, and I can, I'm in LA, I can go get any piece of gear I want or any new instrument or whatever. I, I just end up like tinkering and doing, you know, it's just like, I don't know. It's hard to just get, get shit down and do something. But when you're, you know, when you're in a hotel room, you got to either be really quiet or you don't have that much time or something. It's like, it's like, well, I only got one take for this or it's, I, I just like, I, it's um, a weird way of working, but I like, I like to do it. Well, it turned out really great. I mean, it's a really cool listen and it's Thank got, you. it's got a, that cool sensation of, you know, go into a place there's like a weird i don't know maybe it's just as a kid i remember seeing the theme from taxi do you know the yeah bob yeah, james yeah. angela i love it yeah and so i've all maybe just like since being a kid since memory i sort of I, I tie like that sound of kind of cool jazzy things with a looking out a window and you're driving, you know, there's a cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a cool feeling of like when I saw this record described as a travelogue, uh, but also an instrumental record, I kind of found myself wondering like, well, what exactly gives things the shape of, you know, the place they were recorded or whatever. But 
Yeah. The cool thing about instrumental music is that it's it's kind of all vague and fuzzy, and it, it's it's a feeling more than it is. Uh, you know, you're trying. This is what I'm saying. You know, the way yeah, absolutely working with lyrics. So I wonder, was it was it? Did you know it was going to be an instrumental record when you started making it? Not really. I mean, I when I I was recording these these little recordings that appear on it now, and I was I was doing it was kind of like in a way we're like, let's see if the system works. Here I am. I want to make something today, or else I'll feel like, what the hell am I doing out here? Yeah. So I started recording, and I would do these things every day, and and I, I in the back of my mind, I had this thing. I was like, okay. I'm on the trip still, you know, I, I was expecting to be out on the road for like months and months and months. I was telling people like, yeah, see you in a couple of years. Like, I don't know what the fuck, you know, <laughs> they're all like, okay, buddy, like whatever. But, uh, but I thought I would hunker down somewhere and like write like an, you know, album, which I never ended up doing. Cause I wound up back in LA when I quit smoking, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, but the thing was, I mean, I was really enjoying these little recordings and I would listen to them. There's a couple on there that like, I was like, I could put lyrics to this, but I never really ended up doing that, but, um, but yeah, it's just, I think that, and then I let it sit for a while and I, I remember, you know, I, during the trip, I was like, oh, I do like this stuff quite a bit. Um, but I didn't think of it as an album or whatever, I guess. And then when I was back for a little while, I listened back to it all and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I enjoy, I like this. It, it has like a, it kind of has a, 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 like a, like a timeline to it or like a story to it. And, uh, and a personality. Like I think what I what I find really interesting, I think you know, I'm not like a lyric guy, kinda. I'm not very good at it. And I'm I'm not a crazy musician either, but I have you know, people say that I have like a sound. And I don't think that's like obviously my voice sounds like my voice, but it's like people say like, Oh, it sounds like Max guitar, sounds like this, sounds like you know, the Max synth, blah blah blah. And it's like because I collected these like um I don't know, it's like it's almost like uh they're like uh, they're like uh, colors or uh, uh, it's like a palette of sounds that I that I, and, and harmonically too or melodically there's like things that you can do that I think sound specific to me which is you know and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a whiz or anything but it just is like I make something that usually sounds like I made it you know which is cool especially now when like a lot of you know contemporary or you know, popular new music sounds like a computer made it because it, it's kind of we're kind of kind of getting to that point but um. But yeah, I don't know. I, I it's like it's it what draws me to other music too is it's like um when you can really there's like a even if like 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 you're saying, even when there's not a, a lyrical stamp or like when there's not a lyrics at all, it's like when somebody has this like musical voice that's like I don't know, it just comes through with uh or it's when it's that recognizable. And I don't know, maybe maybe it is my shit is that to me. I don't know if it is to other people, but it's like yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to me. Your the power. <laughs> your uh, your your stuff does your does your stuff does possess a unique ID. You know it, and and yeah. and, and you can tell when it's you. You know, uh, and yeah. and frankly, a lot of people, <laughs> uh, th- in my opinion, a lot of folks have started making records that borrow some of your not not just you. You're not the only person, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 your your particular uh, blend is proving very interesting to people, particularly younger people, I think. And yeah, I mean, I've seen some of these bands out there, and it happens to a lot of bands that I, you know, a lot of stuff. I think when I was coming up, there's a you know, like people try and do the Tame Impala thing or the UMO thing or whatever. You know, everybody's because these 
bands have like their own specific flavor. But it's interesting. It doesn't really bother me though, because whenever I hear this stuff, I'm kind of like, it's like this is what you took my stuff, you diluted it, and like this is what you got, which is like whatever you know. But it's like, uh, <laughs> I, and the other thing too, like I'm saying, like it, it's never gonna be. I don't know. They they're never gonna get to where. It's uh, I don't know. It's just it, it's that me part. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's why somebody could borrow the kind of what diminished chords or whatever. You know, they yeah. they could borrow I'm, that. I'm borrowing them too. Who isn't? I mean, there's only so yeah. many chords. You know, so yeah, yeah. But it's but it's really cool, and I think that like you know the way this record came together, the way you were kind of in a putting yourself in a new position trying out some different approaches all of that stuff i think it 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 sounds like maybe that helped to increase that you-ness of the stuff because especially you're out there on your own mostly making it on your own right i mean yeah yeah, yeah. when when you were driving around were you were you by yourself for a lot of the the time that you were out on the road yeah the whole time pretty much i mean i would pull into cities that i knew people in but and you know, I saw some. I stayed with some people, but it was I. For the most part, it was like I. We just out of the nature of like, oh, I have this shit. I want to use it in this. I don't want to, you know. Hey, can I sleep in your spare bedroom and I set up a little studio to keep you up all night? It's like people would be like, "Fuck off, Mac." But uh, yeah, I had my own space, and yeah, I mean, a lot. I drove back and forth across the country alone, which is like I. I knew I liked driving alone before, but now I'm. I mean, I'm very comfortable doing it now. But it's like, wow, that's a lot of. A lot of being completely alone for hours and hours and hours, which is, I mean, it's cool, but it's, yeah, it's trippy. Well, yeah. well I mean, because when I was thinking about the difference between what you what you did and what you would be used to touring, the chief thing yeah. that came to mind, of course, is, well, you're not usually by yourself when you're touring. No, you know? um, no not at all. What do you, uh, what's your listening life like when you're, when you're driving long distances? Are you um, somebody who builds playlists do you do you listen to full albums do you do audiobooks what's your what how do you kind of i usually uh do the album kind of thing i mean i'll just listen to the same album for like a whole day usually but uh but uh, audiobooks a little bit i did on this trip um but yeah i mean honestly on, on this trip it's like i would listen to the stuff i was recording so i would because mm -hmm. the speakers in the car were kind of you know i could have them louder than the stuff that i had with me so I'd record, then I'd check it in the car for the next day. Every you know, couple hours, I'd listen a couple times, and then, uh, and then, other than that, I mean, I think I was listening to a bit of Frank Sinatra. Actually, not even really that much on this. I love, um, you know, developed a very uh, strong uh, uh, inkling for Frank over the last couple of years. But um, honestly, I, I think it was like the stuff I was recording, and then there was this video game soundtrack, the soundtrack to uh, Final Fantasy X, which is very strange soundtrack, nineteen ninety nine. I think it was made. I listened to that a fuckload, and I've been listening to that since I was like, since I played the game when I was like a kid. Um, and, and then there was this one Moody Blues song that I listened to like eight hundred times, which is called "Had to Fall in Love," and uh, I think that was kind of all I listened to for three months. Yeah, wow, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. You mentioned it was the, weird. Yeah. It, you mentioned well. You mentioned listening to your own mixes. Do you normally? I mean, road testing mixes is like a time honored tradition, and you got to get yeah. out, get out on the road. But you know, when you when you were driving, listening to the tunes. I mean, what's your relationship like to listening to your own music when you hear stuff 
you know, is it pretty much like you're listening until it's done and then at that point you're not engaging with it or how does that work for you? Yeah, it de- I mean it depends with this stuff. This stuff was like I I like this record a lot because I was able to listen to it over and over probably because it's not my voice is not present, but it's like um sure. I mean sometimes stuff with my voice I can I can go for a long time with, but but you know, I mean ideally I'd like to make music because I'm I'm very bad at keeping up with contemporary music and there's not a lot of stuff that's getting thrown at me out there right now that really does that much for me. So uh it's kind of like, well, if I can't find it out there, I guess I'll just make it for myself. And <laughs> and like that's kind of the idea with this. And uh yeah, I I I mean I could listen to some of the mixes I would especially after I had accumulated a couple of them, having them kind of play on repeat or whatever. It was it was I don't know, interesting experiment. It wasn't even really like that much about checking the mix or anything. It was just kind of like it was almost like, okay, well, I'm in this strange place that I don't know much about. I recorded this weird thing, and now it's kind of become the soundtrack to the next place. And it bakes itself into the into you know into the travel, which is like I don't know. It's interesting because that's like an experience that is solely for me. But it's yeah, I really think of it when I think of the record. But I mean, maybe somebody else can do that with their you know now that it's out or whatever. But I don't know. It's it's weird. But usually, like on other records, like I'll I'll mix it and record it and. Once it's out, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. See you later. Like, I, <laughs> I don't need to do it anymore. But um, I think in those instances too, it's like I'm, I listen when you record. I don't know when I record like my other records. It's like there's a lot more. Oh, I'm gonna tra- take the bass over again, or I got to do the vocal again. There's a lot more listening while I'm recording. Like with this stuff, like everything is like first take kind of shit. You know, it's just like that's a percussion track. There's a bass line. Like there's a lot of like clams and shit on this, and it's like. <laughs> doesn't really matter you know it's like um so it's i don't know maybe it stayed fresher in that way a little bit but i don't know are you are, are you normally pretty laissez-faire about you know a clam or a, a part where it's not exactly what you you know meant do you do you often find that you leave that stuff in in the in the finished mix yeah for sure i mean i think a lot of it kind of comes the way i learned to record myself and stuff was on tape machines and and so that kind of you know leans towards like it's a little bit harder to tighten everything up. So I I just got used to like doing full takes and not really worrying about it too much. I mean playing it to a certain level of like okay this is not insanely bad, but <laughs> sure. But uh, but yeah, I think that I, I I mean I really like you know bands like I don't know like Beat Happening or like even say like like the Velvet Underground or something. You know it's like where it's just like i don't the musicianship is is cool and awesome but it's not like you know super premium i guess it's like pretty sloppy there's there's something else that's like more important than like you know if the guitar riffs are are pimp or something but um i yeah it depends it really depends it it's like every every different take will be a different instance of like well that was cool in a shitty way or like that was just shitty you know it's like <laughs> uh, depends Putting your music up online is not always the easiest thing in the world to figure out, but DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and, as an artist, you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. 
A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all the major streaming services. You can use it to edit your lyrics and your song credits. So important in the internet age to let people know the kind of people you're collaborating with. And uh, DistroKid makes that easy. You can also see all your stats from the streamers and, of course, add a credit card to purchase album extras. The DistroKid app is available now on iOS and Android. Go to the app or Play Store to download it. You have spent a lot of time playing with like friends, musical musical buddies and stuff. Uh, I know yeah. you and Thundercat fairly fairly yeah. frequently will like play together, right? Or have in the yeah, past. Yeah, every once in a while. I mean, and I saw him the other night. Actually, me and him, we went for dinner with Michael McDonald and his daughter Scarlett, which was just a great. Hang on a second. And Steven's daughter Sinai, which was really nice as well. So oh. it was cool. It was cool. So. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, you just blew my mind. I didn't expect that's dinner. That's an L.A. LA stuff, baby. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, uh, that's, that's but fit. Michael was in town rehearsing with the Doobies. I think they had a show in uh, uh, somewhere, somewhere near L.A. I'm not sure. But. That's that's fan- but, yeah. That's fantastic. It was sick, yeah. But, got- um, but Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. I say you got to invite him to the next jam session, obviously, it sounds like. so. I would, I mean, uh, here's the thing with, with playing with Steven. I love Steven. I love his music. And I think, uh, and we've played together a little bit, but it's like, you know, I have a little trouble keeping up. He's pretty, he's wicked, wicked, <laughs> wicked musician. And I, you know, I can, I think he appreciates that I do my thing and he can kind of, but it's like, you know, At he's, the- he's very good. At the at the risk of sounding like a complete asshole, my my questions were heading in the direction of you guys come from different worlds, you know. I mean, I remember the first yeah, yeah. the first time that I encountered him was he was playing in suicidal tendencies, and yeah. uh, and and I saw him, and I was like, wow, that bass player is really something, you know. Like that's that's yeah. kind of nuts. And then obviously. Oh, yeah start to get into his own music and all the great stuff that he's contributed to Kendrick Kamasi. Yeah. 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 Everybody. But I, I, I wondered what playing with like, cause obviously the jazz element, you know, today at work, somebody posted their, their jizz jazz hat in uh, our Slack. Uh, and I thought it was great to see, you know, see something like that. But um, mm. as somebody who has, incorporated elements of jazz into their work playing with somebody like you know steven must be kind of mind-blowing and i just wonder you know how you approach it and and if you were weirded out the first couple times that it happened because you know he's a heavy player or whatever oh it's crazy i mean it's like with him or like these kids jd and domi that i play with a lot or yeah even daryl this kid daryl that plays with me now or his this is other kid chris fishman that's around all the, like these kids are all really really crazy good musicians and i don't i don't understand like you know i know that i think that there are some maybe like jazzy elements to my stuff every but it's just i'm i'm those got in there by accident like i really just don't <laughs> i know what i like the, the sound of and it's like i found it and i was like oh that'll work you know that's cool but um, but it, to me, like the way you know, like I'm the way I'm describing right now is like it's kind of magic, you know. It's like you just know what you want, or not even what you want, but you found this thing. It's like okay, that's great. So for me, with them, like they have, it's almost like a handshake where I look at what they they can do, and it's this crazy, be it technical or like complicated or simple or what, just like 
but the bottom line is like things that I have no idea how to do. And for me, that's kind of magic. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, like that's nuts. You know what I mean? But I think there is a part of what I do that they look at as well. And they're kind of like, well, how the fuck does Mac do that? And I'm like, I don't know either. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so that's where we kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting where we can kind of meet there as well. Now I'm, I'm really lucky. It's, it's interesting. I don't know what it is, but it's like my, for some reason like my music is uh, has like kind of found its way into those lanes like you know thundercat knows what's up or these other jazz kids know what's up and it's surprising because it's a very different lane of music but it's like uh they appreciate it for for one reason or the other and it's um i don't know it's really cool it's like really great to be able to uh you know interface with people that are like of a completely different world but you know that's kind of the beautiful thing about music is that you can see two people from opposite sides of the planet can make two things and then hear their two things and be like, Oh, I, okay. I like that. You know, it's like, um, it's so strange. I just, yeah. I mean, I think that what you're saying is fascinating to consider because I think you're a hundred percent right that they, they get a charge out of what you're doing as well. Clearly that's the way, you know, musicians aren't going to hang around and, and do the thing if it's not, musicians of that caliber i mean if they're not also into it you know um but i've been thinking just about how however i mean i guess i started getting aware of your records yeah a decade ago you know and 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 hearing stuff and and seeing you live and and i and i i've always dug it but i guess what i'm getting at a little bit here is that like it's so interesting to me that here we are a decade later and your stuff has resonated within this sort of burgeoning youth jazz renaissance as well. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting thing happening with people like you and people like Bad Bad Not Good and like other other mm-hmm. artists where, I don't know, it's just interesting to see a jazz, a kind of jazz that has clearly absorbed hip hop as a foundational element, but then also... Yeah you know, via your stuff, indie, indie rock or, or however you would want to classify that, you know? And I just wonder yeah. if, you know, obviously you're in inside of it, you're living it, you're hanging out with your friends, you're not analyzing what's happened. But I just wonder if, you know, when you reflect on that, what kind of thoughts it inspires? It's re- I mean, it's strange. It's cool. It's, it's strange. I just like, it's, you know, sometimes I think, you know, especially this year, it's like a couple of the records I put out turned 10 years old, which is like, what the, it's a long time to be doing something and it's great and I, I still love it as much as i did back then but it's uh i don't know it, it it's interesting you know it's interesting you mentioned like the hip-hop thing like like baba not good i honestly feel even with my music maybe that's the common thread you know it's like there's elements of hip-hop which are from even further back in r&b or you know whatever motown stuff or whatever that i think those are the things that have carried all the way through you know where it's like and I, I think it's a little harder to hear in my music, but even on like salad days or something like I was trying to play kind of like those old kind of breaky drums and like a lot of the bass lines are James Jamerson ripoffs and stuff, which is like, you know, the same, they, they land on, you know, rap and hip hop records or like in the bad, bad, not good world or with my stuff or, or whatever else. It's just like, it's, it's, I think it's just the, um like the backbeat and like the rhythm there, there's like an importance in the rhythm with which i find a lot of the time you know there's a lot of indie rock where like it's just kind of like um pretty straight pretty strummy 
like big floppy open snare. And that's good. That's fine music. But it's like, um, I think it may be just be coming from a different foundation than maybe where my music has landed now um, or something, you know, because I think I do think about it. It's strange. Like these people, I don't know, or you know, people that are just really like these crazy jazz people that we're talking about. It's like there's got to be some reason or something, but it is, you know, it's the, it's it, it goes back down to that like real you know inner workings of the music thing the like the 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 foundational like uh, kind of and i'm not saying i'm like good or solid or anything but there's like a certain like uh, juice at the bottom that is uh that maybe is what is you know flows through i don't know it's trippy yeah they, i mean very much so and and i think that's interesting when you i mean when you were coming up as as a kid was hip hop a big uh influence on you what were what were some of the early like hip hop records that meant a lot to you I mean, hip hop kind of, it was like when I, once I was a teenager, I think, but when I was really young, it was like, honestly, the first, you know, instances of being, uh, I guess exposed to it, it was like rap, rap rock was happening, you know, so it's like Limp Biscuit, you know, Kid Rock, Eminem, I guess, and Dr. Dre and stuff that was happening at the same time too. And I, ever all the kids my age were into that and I was into it, but, um, and like Snoop Dogg and, you know, I, like the, the really big stuff. And then when I got a little older, then it was like, I had friends that would listen to like, uh, kind of more stone throwy stuff for like kind of backpack, like, like KRS one or whatever. And, um, yeah, I don't know, but it was there, there was a thing. I think even back then it's, it's, and I, I almost equate it sort of to the, cause when low, remember when lo-fi was like the, you know, all, all the, silt breeze bands or whatever and like that whole kind of thing that happened in like 2006 or 7 or whatever um that that in a way like it was like the the fidelity was another part of the experience you yeah. know and i feel like that in rap too it's like you know with this with sampling and with with ripping shit from vinyls and stuff it's like it has this extra like kind of cartoonish or like uh there's just an extra thing where it's like, oh, like it's what led me to want to record on tape. You know, it's the whole, it's just this extra thing. It's like a, it gives it, it gives it something, brings the music alive or something. But, uh, but yeah, I would say, you know, especially with like, the way the drums sound on a lot of like older hip hop records and stuff, it's like, I don't know, just the magic. It's like you just paint a little magic on it, you spread a little magic. I don't know. Yeah. Weird. For for sure, and I think it gives it that there's there's a collage element that happens obviously with with hip hop yeah. where it's pulling yeah, from yeah. different sources, and I know you know obviously the the options afforded now in all the ways you can record you you can do you can pull from so many different sources. One song might contain yeah. a snippet that was recorded on an iPhone or a voice memo paired with something you did on a tape machine you know yeah there's like a million options now yeah and, yeah fully and i think your stuff speaks to that too back to the the trip where the album was born um you you talked about stopping at a place uh in utah right zion near zion national yeah. park where you'd rented a cabin it's a place called Panguitch. Panguitch? Yeah. Panguitch, like penguin sandwich or something yeah <laughs> You you rented a, a a cabin out there and were planning on maybe mm -hmm. sticking around for a little while. Yeah, that was like my whole plan when I left. I left New York. I've been in New York for like a month, and I was like, I'm gonna drive to Utah, and then you know, like I was saying before, I was like, I'll hunker down somewhere and like write some songs and like record an album, you know. 
So I was going to go to Salt Lake City and live there for a month. And we had a show at the end of the, you know, that was where our next show was booked. So I was like, I'll just live there. And then by the time the show comes around, I'll be like mayor of Salt Lake and I'll know a bunch of cool people and it'll be great. Right. So I, you know, and then the, the, what happened at the same time as I left New York is I was like, I'm also going to quit smoking right now. I don't know why, but I'll just do it. And, uh, so yeah, that drive like from Pennsylvania to Utah was like fucked. Like it was, uh, it was fucked, and I was out of my mind and just, you know, going through all the classic nicotine withdrawal, like, you know, shaky and like sweaty and just couldn't sleep. It was horrible. Anyway, I got to Salt Lake and I was like, here I am. Let's find a place to stay. And it was very difficult to find any like kind of long term stay there <clears throat> that I thought would be a, a you know. If I was going to spend that much time there, I didn't want to like stay at like a shitty place. I was like, I'd like to get something that will not make me feel horrible. Um, couldn't really find anything. Got all frustrated. I was like, I'm going home. Fuck this. And then as I was going home, I called a couple of people and they're like, don't come home now. Are you out of your fucking mind? Like, don't, you know, it's not, you know, like you're, you're fucking, you know, I don't know. I was out of it. So I was like, you're right. Try and go get in a hot spring. I'm in Utah. You know, there'll be something nice, something naturey. I went to Monroe, Utah, tried to get in the hot springs there. No, booked out. So then I went to the grocery store there, ordered this really sketchy pizza and these weird cinnamon bun things. And I was sitting there and I found, and I looked on Airbnb and found some, yeah, this cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And I went to that and I thought like, yeah, this is a good, good, you know, good place to go for a couple of days, four days or something. And then I'll, I'll extend it if I want or, you know, figure something out. And, uh, I got out there. I had to like get groceries. It was like really far. I picked up a bunch of groceries and probably no people for 50 miles in any direction from the spot. And it was like, you know, lake community, pretty beautiful, but like in the winter, like nobody's there. So I got there and it was like a huge place. Probably could have slept like 20 people in this place. And it's just me. Um, <laughs> the phone rang like right as I got in there too. And I was like, hello, like welcome to our cabin. I was like, okay, this is crazy. And a bunch of taxidermy animals everywhere. Just like, I felt like I had entered into The Shining. And I was like, okay. And I had I had one night there and it was just mortifying. Like it was horrible, horrible. Yeah. And Because I don't do well with that shit. It's too much. You know, I like the city. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, one night, packed all the shit up, went back to LA. Actually kind of like straight to Coachella actually, which was kind of insane. But that was that. Yeah. Wow. So... Uh, I, I was curious what made the place so oppressively weird, but it sounds like just everything, every element of it. It's just too much. It's just too too much. There were like doors where it was like "Do not enter," and like I don't. It was too, it was just <laughs> not for me. Especially with the nicotine withdrawals, it was just not for me. It was too much. Well, I'm glad you didn't stay out there and go full full shining. That would have been that would have been bad. Yeah, not chill. No. I wanted to ask you because fairly recently one of your songs went viral on TikTok. Yeah, it's kind of it's going nuts right now. Yeah, heart heart to heart, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I I wonder if you could tell me what what happens when your song goes viral on TikTok. I mean, just in a general sense, what occurs? It's very. I mean, it's it's interesting because I've my songs are always doing pretty good on there. Like it's great. Like, I don't know anything about TikTok. I don't use it, I, but I, but you know my royalty checks have been very cool since it's come around. So TikTok, <laughs> all right. But uh, but yeah, but it's like uh, it's weird. It's I, I, like I don't 
it's I don't know. It's really bizarre. Even the way they monetize it and the whole thing. I don't. I don't know. And I don't look at you know. I I, I run my we run a label now, but it's not like I don't I don't look at the back end of anything. I don't really understand any of this stuff. But but yeah, I mean that one got picked up. I guess because that song I wrote about Mac Miller when he passed away, and it was like so. I think kids were, were talking about that initially. There was some kind of viral skit they were doing or something, or just maybe just talking about that fact, and then. And now it's just kind of uh, spilled over into like, I don't think they're even, you know, because when a sound goes crazy on TikTok, I think a lot of people don't even know who the artist is. They're just, kids are just like, that's the sound. That's the, that's the one I saw this video that had it. So I'm going to put it in my video and then it just keeps going down the line. And yeah, um, but it's crazy, you know, but it's interesting with, you know, because I'm part of like a label group or whatever with my label and, and they're all kind of like, well, we go, it's, it's, it's doing this thing. So we got to put more money and promote it more and stuff. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm like, hey, if you want to try something, but it's, it's also like this happened completely naturally from a song, from a record from like four years ago. Like, I, I don't know. Like it's just happening on its own. Do we, maybe we should just leave it alone. You know what I mean? Um, and it's weird. I mean, it, it just entered into the billboard charts, which is like, what the, I've never even <laughs> had a song in the hot 100. That's it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Uh, and let alone a song that did nothing when the album came out. I mean, I really love the song, but it's like, it's like kind of a, you know, it's not even a, it wasn't even a single on the record. It was like an album track from four years ago. Like, it's just completely strange. I mean, it's great, but it's also just really weird. I mean, it's cool. I think it's kind of that record too. I think after a couple of years, people kind of came back around to it and were kind of like, huh, wait a minute. This is, I kind of like this, which is like, I knew I liked it when I put it out and you know, it was received, which, which however it was, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but it's really strange. Very strange. <laughs> I, I find like the idea that like, obviously because recorded music is, I mean, recorded music is such an, the, the, the possibilities of what could happen are very, very interesting and strange when you record something for posterity you know you don't always get to pick when it's time is or whatever no totally yeah yeah and obviously as somebody who is such a huge fan of you know reissues and records that got missed when they came out in the 70s or the late 60s or yeah exactly or you know whatever you know you're always open to this idea that like yeah maybe however far down the line somebody's going to engage with this in a way that's different than what happened right when it comes out yeah it is interesting it's also interesting like tiktok chooses now you know i feel like that a lot of the power that used to be in the kind of the music media or like reviewers or whatever it's kind of like well you can you can say your piece but this is actually going to choose which is like (laughs) kind of it's it's kind of crazy i mean it's kind of crazy and there's a part of it that's potentially creepy and then there's a part of it that's not that creepy because the technology is just always gonna kind of move along and at the end of it i mean lots of people might be engaging with it just because that's the popular tiktok sound like you said absolutely that's the whole thing and that you know that's kind of come to where we're at now too where there's like tiktok artists you know what i mean where it's kind of and especially over covid like some people like developed like gigantic music careers just based off tiktok which is crazy i mean it's cool i guess it's really weird different than how i remember but yeah it is what it is you know 
Well, I wanted to ask you uh, a little bit about a collaboration. Uh, you you played on the last Tim Heidecker record as well. Uh, high school, right? Yeah, he right? recorded a bit of it. A bit of yeah, he were, we were did. I don't know how many songs exactly it is, but him and this guy Drew. Um, what is Drew's last name? Jesus Christ, Drew Erickson. Now Tim and Drew Erickson were here, and we recorded. Yeah, they did a bunch of tracking. It was interesting too because it was like you know Drew's Drew's like a he plays in sessions a lot. He's like a real musician, you know. I'm not. I mean, I I can do what I can do, but but it was funny because Tim Tim was very well rehearsed and like he's a good singer and a good guitarist and you know. So we but we, he wanted we wanted to cut a bunch of it to the tape machine. So I would be playing live. They wanted me to play bass on a lot. So I played bass and guitar and some stuff, and drums a little bit too, I think. But but it was interesting. Drew would write me charts, and I would like be trying to read this fucking chart. But I'm like really not. <laughs> I'm not that adept, but, uh, but yeah, it's cool. I mean, it was really, you know, I mean, it's crazy. I'm a huge Tim fan of his comedy and his music. And it's like, yeah, I, it's, it's a wild world to, I don't know. It's really cool. It was really inspiring to have him here and just kind of do, do shit with him. It was really cool. And the record turned out really cool. So it's it, awesome. It must be, you know, as somebody who is a fan of, of his as well, every time, you know, that I've had any interaction, it's always been, wow, this is so crazy. This is, it's Tim. It's Tim, you know, Heidecker. Yeah. But it's nuts. One of the things that is is really kind of flips my lid is like his records started out really good, but they've just gotten like better and better and that last one that you know you worked on it it was a really really affecting record. It was really really good mm-hmm. songwriting, great. Yeah. Great, you know, stuff and so I thought I thought that was really cool. And uh yeah. yeah, and I like your playing on it. It's a cool, it's a cool record. That's what's up. You also uh, recently contributed, fairly recently contributed to uh, the Metallica Black Album project, where they had this is correct a yeah. bunch, a bunch of covers. And so, to get ready for this interview, I listened obviously to a bunch of records, but I also just was like popping into your collaborations. I listened to the Domi and JD stuff, which yeah, like you said, it's it's freaking nuts. Um, yeah, so nuts. It's really cool. Came came upon the Metallica one, and I thought uh, <laughs> you you did a pretty pretty interesting reading of of that song. I wonder what I mean when when you got when you first were asked to do that. What what was your what was your first thought? You know, what was funny about that is they asked me, and I was like, I was like, cool, and, they, and you know, I was like, can I do Sandman? They were like, yeah, and I was like, I was like, I can't believe it. They gave me Sandman. Like, it's unbelievable and then the album came out and like 50 people did sandman i was like oh okay but uh i know yeah but it was interesting. <laughs> I, I tried to do it in like my kind of like new like clean di guitar like kind of weird you know post here comes the cowboy kind of sound and i and i have this arrangement where i like did the whole song like that but i remember recording that and listening back and just being like this is so fucked up sounding like i don't even know like how am i gonna sing over this it's insane so what ended up happening is i was the deadline was pulling up and and i was like me and my friend dan i was like dan like i don't you know i was like i I don't know how to cover this metallica song i'm trying to rearrange it and it's like really difficult and he's like 
you just like you should probably just do it as close to the way that they did it as you can because it doesn't really make sense any other way. And I was like, right. And I was like, but how do you like get gu- distorted guitar sounds and stuff? And he was like, all right. He was like, we got some kind of amp simulator plug in. We I don't know. I just tried to like it was like, okay, this is the amp he used, this is the guitar he used. We'll just try and make it sound as close as we can. And I you know try we tried micing the drums differently and even used the same vocal mic and shit. Um, which is funny. We try to do all this stuff and it sounds like nothing like Metallica, but it's interesting that, you know, that I shoot this direction. I always end up a little bit over here, but, but it was fun. It was, I mean, I, I can kind of shred, uh, like bluesy guitar solos a little bit, but I don't do it anymore, but it was a really nice exercise to just like, I had pulled down the Les Paul and it was like, you know, so it was a lot of fun. It was kind of ridiculous, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of fun and but kind of ridiculous is actually the perfect way to describe that whole project, that whole Black Album project. Oh yeah, because there's Completely stuff. Insane. There's stuff on it that is that is just like wild, and then there's stuff on it that's like really interesting, and then there's stuff that I don't I don't know what I think of it. So yeah, that's a that was an inter- yeah, yeah, an interesting yeah. project to be a part of. But I mean, you know, it's no yeah. I feel like in terms of collecting interesting, strange accolades as of late, you, you, you've really been on a tear. You, you're, you're scoring hits on TikTok. You're covering, <laughs> covering Metallica. They gave you Sandman, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. today, today, actually Lil Yachty's record came out. I've got a couple songs on there, which is also, you know, I was talking to my friend Jake today and it was like, wow, we're like on a couple songs on a Lil Yachty record. Like, that's so strange. I, I can't wait to hear. Do you know if you have anything to do with the first track on the record? Uh, no, not the first track. I'm on. There's one where he does spoken word, and then there's another one where he, um, what's it called? It's called. They just changed the name. It's like kind of the disco song in the mm. middle of the record that was recorded over here at my studio. They they rented my studio for like four or five days. And Yachty's a great friend. Uh, yeah, this record's really cool, and and you know everybody that worked on it's a homie, and it was like. Uh, yeah, I was kind of. It's interesting because they spent a long time making it, but they had a portion of it here at my house. So it was kind of. It was interesting to see how it would go. But even up until yesterday, I was kind of like, yeah, he's a big artist, and they kind of keep it under wraps. So I didn't even really know what would wind up on the record. But it's it's dope. People seem to be engaging with it in an interesting way. So it's, it's tight. That's really cool, and I didn't even realize that. I just saw somebody post on Twitter today. They said, uh, "Damn, this little yachty." Uh, song sounds like a yacht rock song so i was like the moment you said that may- maybe that was something you had something to do with but maybe not doesn't maybe, sound like yeah. it so uh, yeah. well well mac i appreciate you taking the time and uh and it's been really fun chatting with you about stuff thanks for oh, yeah. thanks for doing Absolutely. it my pleasure all right well we'll talk again some other time thanks for joining us here on transmissions be well my pleasure see you later cool peace Mac and me here on Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Jason P. Woodbury. I write, produce, and host the show. Transmissions is edited by Andrew Horton, and our music this season comes from Frank Mastin, drawn from his incredible discography of gorgeous library music. Find more by visiting mastin.bandcamp.com. That's M-A-S-T-O-N.bandcamp.com. Our executive producer, is Justin Gage, Aquarium Drunkard's founder. Don't miss his essential listen radio show, The Aquarium Drunkard Show, on Sirius XMU, Channel 35. 
It airs at 7 p.m. Pacific time every Wednesday. That's right. You get the podcast in the morning and the Aquarium Drunker radio show on Sirius XMU in the evening. We are a part of the TalkHouse podcast network. Visit the TalkHouse for interviews, essays, and other fascinating reads, as well as podcasts like Bjork's Sonic Symbolism, Carmel Holt's Shiro's podcast, and Emil Amos's one-of-a-kind Drifter Sympathy. If you appreciate transmissions, be sure to rate and review it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can just click that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to make your support official, check out Aquarium Drunkard on Patreon. I'd love to hear from you. You can find my email in the contact section at Aquarium Drunkard. Drop me a line and let me know what you like about the show, what you'd like to hear in future episodes, uh, thoughts on specific talks, whatever else you might want to share. You can also find me on most social media things at Jason P. Woodbury and over on Substack. Next week on the show... Don Fleming and Jason Stern of the Lou Reed Archive join me for a thrilling and wide-ranging Lou talk. I cannot wait to share this one with you. It was so fun. I was over the moon to talk with these two about their incredible work exploring Reed's artistic legacy and preserving what he left behind when he departed a decade ago. I hope you will join us. Until then, stay weird. This transmission is concluded.